We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. But for the first time in over 320 shows, I want to welcome you to the Chicago Audible Podcast. As you probably heard by now, we've had ourselves an order from the league to abandon our old identity. Uh, we spent all week trying to come up with what we believe is going to be a great second chapter. So I want to thank you all for turning the page right along with us as we enter this new era. So I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and yes, I was able to maintain my birth name. That did not have to go, and same with my co-host. Um, so say hello to Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for everything that you've given this little project of ours over the last you know, handful of years, and I'm extremely excited uh, for what's to come as the Chicago Audible, but I need to know, how have you guys been? It's been a stressful week. Stressful is the right word. Uh, so I guess how I feel today, I feel relieved. I feel relieved. Me too. I can finally breathe now that I know what our new identity is. How, how have you been, Nick? It, like you guys have said, it has been stressful. Just It's been a long week at work, too, so you just add in all these components. But like you said, it's I'm glad that we have an identity. We can go on to the next chapter and just move forward with this. And our fans are excited that we're back. We're, we're back and doing what we do best. So what's the name of the show, Nick? Let's <laughs> see. I, I, did it, I, I said it wrong earlier. Earlier, the Chicago Audible. That's who we are, the Chicago Audible. Absolutely. So, again, with everything that we've endured throughout the week, it wasn't until just a couple of hours ago that I was kind of able to sit back and breathe. And once I did, I realized, oh, crap, it's flipping Packers week. 
And not just that, but the Bears have a chance to win the division at home and eliminate the Packers in the process. So if all goes according to plan, this could end up being the best game day that we've had in over six seasons. Are you guys ready to jump onto this ever-important game preview? Absolutely. Do it. All right, so this week I want to go ahead and begin with the Bears' offense that's going to need some improvement this week compared to how they performed against the Rams. We knew it was not going to be one of the easiest games on Sunday night offensively, but still I believe that Trubisky and company did not perform up to the standards that we expect from that unit. Now let's go ahead and start with Trubisky because we saw some you know, inaccuracy issues on Sunday night, and he didn't really look to be 100% in his return from the shoulder injury. He said earlier this week that he was focused on the wrong things and he was just trying to do too much. And he also mentioned that he needs to settle down and just kind of play within the offense. You know, I could not agree more with his assessment. And going all the way back to week one, his first start with Matt Nagy as his play caller, his offense coordinator, uh, well, play caller, head coach. Um, Looking at his stat line against Green Bay, 23-35, 171 yards, but no touchdowns. He didn't throw any picks either. It was a I think at the time we thought it was an admirable performance as we're kind of getting him used to the offense. But at this point in the season, uh, he should be able to put together a much better game against Green Bay. But I'm curious what you guys think about this. Uh, How do you anticipate Trubisky faring this week? Uh, Will he have a better game overall this time around? Why or why not? Let's go to Nick first. You know, that's a good question because under the lights, Trubisky at times has not played at his best. And this is not a one a prime time game, but it's a very important one at that. You have a division rival who obviously week one did what they did, came back, and you want to see Mitch Trubisky really be able to play well in this game, especially this one with the Packers and being able to clinch, you know, the NFC North at home. So I am expecting definitely a bounce back game, but I don't think he has to have a great performance like he had like the six touchdown games or like one of those kind of performances he just needs to take care of the football that's a big thing against the Packers this is not a particularly good defense and I think Mitch Trubisky just what will settle him down is actually running being able to just run when pressure is there so to answer your question I do expect him to play well I just we got to see which Mitch Trubisky comes out I know he had some nerves it was prime time against the Rams a huge game so he just needs to settle down it's a noon game He's already played the Packers, you know, a couple times in his career, but it's a great chance to just settle in, complete a few passes. Hope Matt Nagy will put him in a position to win in this game to be comfortable. And I think that Mitch Trubisky overall will have a good game. Well said. What about you, B? What are your expectations for number 10? As long as he just sticks within the system and does what he's comfortable with doing, uh, doesn't try to go out and make a play uh, because we've seen one of the guys uh, saying in an interview earlier this week that, you know, we watched the, the Packers tape from week one. And it made us feel sick. Uh, so it's nice to have that fire in you to want to go out there and beat them like that. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want a young quarterback out there who's going to go and try and make a play that's really unnecessary because that's when mistakes happen. So as long as he just sticks to the fundamentals, uh, sticks to what he's good at, uh, then I think he'll he'll have a, a better game than we've seen against L.A. We'll, we'll call it a bounce-back game, but I don't expect it to be anything that blows anyone out of the water. All right. And, Nick, you mentioned that, uh, Matt Nagy, you're hoping that he puts Mitch in a position to succeed in the last time that we played the Packers, we had a very strong first half on offense, but things kind of dwindled um, in the second half of that game. So I want you to call an audible. And I guess that's going to be our first play on our new show name here. Uh, what kind of adjustments do you hope that Matt Nagy brings to the table uh, compared to what we saw in the second half of week one? 
Well, the second half of week one, I just thought that with uh, compared to the first half, there's a lot of one one just read. You read the first option. If it's open, you throw it. As opposed to the second half, I think Matt Nagy kind of got away from that. And being his first game calling, uh, you know, at, being the play caller for the Chicago Bears as long, as long with, with the head coach, it's a lot to ask from him. And, you know, the defense made adjustments. But for the second half, is just whenever the defense makes adjustments to whatever Matt Nagy's doing well, whether it's a quick passing game, utilizing your running backs, whatever it may be, he needs to be able to make the adjustment to the Packers adjustment. So it's a, it's a, it's a chess match. That's what it technically is. And Matt Nagy at times in the second half has lost that match. So this is going to be a good opportunity for him against look a defense. Like I said, in the Packers, it has a couple of playmakers, but overall has not, is not great. So I think for Matt Nagy, it's just winning and adapting to whatever the defense is kind of bringing at him. So then you have the advantage on offense moving forward. For sure. And I think that Nagy has improved, you know, vastly from week one to compared to where we are now. And that's a big reason why uh, the Bears have the success that they've had so far this season. So I do agree. I anticipate a a more well-rounded game plan. We'll talk about that here as we kind of go throughout the show. But I want to go ahead and kind of look at the offensive line real quick. And let's go start off by saying that that unit had an excellent game against the Rams, especially considering what they were going up against. Now, things don't get entirely easier. Uh, the Packers, they are tied with us at 40 sacks on the season. Uh, Mr. Trenches, can I still call you that, Brandon? <laughs> uh, I think so. I don't think that identity got taken. So, Okay, cool. Mr. Trenches, I want to know, <laughs> what are going to be those make-or-break matchups up front this week? I'm really looking at the guards, whether or not they can create those those big rushing lanes. The Packers do not defend the, the run very well. So if they're able to be able to position themselves the way like they did against the Rams, uh, that, that's one one matchup that I'm really looking forward to is just the running game in general against the, the Packers run defense in that front seven. Because if they can climb up to that second level, get their, their guys sealed, have a pulling tackle or pulling guard, uh, if they're going to do sweeps left or right, if they're just going to run it up the middle, just how can they – uh, continue to look at that performance they did against the Rams where they're sealing lanes uh, for Jordan Howard to go through and how well can they maintain them? Uh, that's really something that I'm really looking for. It's not necessarily a, a one-on-one matchup per se. I'm not a fan of uh, really any guys that are on the, the Packers front seven, especially sack wise. Cause uh, Kyler, uh, what's his last name? Fackrell. Yeah. He's got eight sacks on the year, but they just come in bunches. Uh, there's a big stretch in there where he has three sacks in one game and then a stretch of five or six where he has none. Then he gets one more sack stretch of a couple more then he gets three more sacks. So, I mean, he's not a, he's a guy that sacks in bunches. Uh, and as long as the tackles keep an eye on him, I'm really not too worried about the pass rush that the Packers have. Nick, how about you? Is there, uh, when I'm looking at this list real quick, just to start off a couple weeks ago, I was looking at Aaron Donald and Sue versus Brian Witzman. I was like, uh, and then following it up with Kenny Clark versus him. I was like, that's going to be a tough couple of weeks, but Witzman, I mean, he played very well last week. Uh, how do you anticipate his matchup going up against Kenny Clarks, who has, I think, six sacks, nine quarterback hits on the year, 46 total pressures, which leads the entire uh, Packers defense? How do you think that's going to fare out? Because I, I, I believe in Witzman a little bit more now compared to what he did last week, but I'm also fearing a slight letdown after such a strong performance. Yeah, and there could be a letdown. Look, this kind of reminds me of what happened with, with Chase Daniel, having that really good game in his first game as a starting quarterback, and then having those expectations set, and then try not meeting those expectations. That could be the case for Brian or for, for Witzman because, look, uh, he just previous to that against the Giants, an awful game. Then plays against the Rams, has a really good one. And now Kenny Clark, there was I was watching the tape on him. There are times where he's – doing things that you see Akeem Hicks do really well, and that's just not allowing 
the like the backside guard to go up and get to the second level because he's at a good angle blocking his man, and then that just disrupts the entire offensive line. That's the kind of player that Kenny Clark is. Really good one, still a young player, and you know has those six sacks like you mentioned. So for Witzman, it's going to be very important that technique is just going to be vital every single time he's blocking Kenny Clark because he has the power he has the moves to you know use a swim move and then like I said disrupt other offensive linemen getting into their assignments so whether it's Witzman whether it's James Daniels wherever he lines up at just technique wise you need to get him out of the play and look going up against Aaron Donald's going to definitely improve your play no matter what but I don't know. It, it's it could be up for a letdown just because I've seen that on a Bears from a different position. So it's going to be interesting to see with Witzman, who you know played really well one week and played awful the last week. So it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely, uh, someone who I'm paying attention to, which I think we say it each and every time that we play the Packers, and it's Clay Matthews. And again, he isn't at the same level where he was earlier in his career, but he's still third on the team and pressures generated, and he has four sacks on the year. And the thing about Clay Matthews is when he plays the Bears, he always seems to raise his quality of play. Um, so he's always going to be a handful. So Bobby Massey on that right side um, has a big matchup in slowing down Clay Matthews because in the past, um, especially between these two guys, Massey and Matthews, uh, we've seen uh, Matthews kind of get the better hand of Bobby Massey. So uh, I'm kind of circling on that matchup, paying attention to it because if, uh, of course, Matthews is able to generate some instant pressure coming right towards Mitch, Mitch's face. I know Mitch has this capability, um, but that's going to make him very uncomfortable in the pocket. And someone who um, Trubisky earlier this week was talking about his footwork and how he needs to be more calm back there. If he starts getting pressure in his face right away early in this game, it's going to be very hard to kind of have him build some of that poison in the pocket that we know um, he's going to need in order to succeed this week. And something else I want to kind of bear in mind here is that uh, Green Bay, they're not going to shy away from sending any extra rushers. Uh, inside linebacker Blake Martinez, um, he has four sacks on the year. And an- another thing, uh, we should probably counter blessings that uh, Mike Daniels, one of their best defensive tackles, is on IR uh, coming into this week because he would have been yet another handful for us to kind of pay attention to as well. Anything else about the battles in the trenches that you guys wanted to uh, kind of highlight? Not the battles in the trenches particularly, but the pressure percentage. Uh, according to NFL matchup, the Packers are number eight in terms of percentage of dropbacks where defense applies pressure to you know opposing quarterbacks. And you look at the names on that defense like, okay, where is it coming from? Well, it's collectively as a defense, they're really being able to disrupt quarterbacks. So keep that in mind. This Bears offensive line, for the most part this season, has played pretty well. And this is not an easy task, uh, even though the Packers are, what, 5-7-1. They're not a very good team right now. They're still doing some good things. That's actually the only statistic I found, though, on NFL matchup where they're actually ranked in the top 10. So they have, they have that going for them, but that's about it. I like. I like. Not that they're generating pressure at a top 10 rate, but I like that you can't find any more across the board. Exactly. All right, let's go ahead and move on to this week's weapons through the year. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of sample size from this group last week, but I'm sure that everybody is itching to get their touches and make an impact this week in hopes of securing the division. Now, they should have a good opportunity to do so, as the Packers have allowed two 100-yard receivers and four touchdown catches by wideouts over their last three games. But, of course, this is more than just the wideouts. This is everybody involved here. Brandon, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, Who are you paying paying attention to this week as potential difference makers through the air? I'm looking at Taylor Gabriel. He's been kind of uh, slower, I guess, to, to get going in some of these games. And it's not necessarily his fault. Uh, quarterback struggled to get the ball to him from time to time. Uh, but especially going up against a rookie like uh, J.R. Alexander, 
or even Josh Jackson are are two guys that you know a veteran could definitely take advantage of, take advantage of those younger guys. And that he's a I haven't said it in a couple weeks, but he approves quarterbacks' ratings when they throw it his way. There it is. Uh, so <laughs> I know it's been a few weeks because he hasn't gotten the ball, which is kind of weird. Um, but if that's that's you know veteran teacher versus young student, I bet that Taylor Gabriel is going to be able to have his opportunities to take these guys to school uh, and really beat them downfield. And that's going to allow uh, Trubisky to, to air it out downfield and be able to get some more explosive plays, and that's really a detrimental to a defense. So I'm really looking forward to what Taylor Gabriel is going to do uh, in this one. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel, tough couple of weeks, like you mentioned, 14 targets, but only six catches for 39 yards. And um, there's also going to be a backup corner, it looks like, Tony Brown in place of uh, Rashad Breland, which might be another favorable matchup. Um, we'll see how exactly how it fares out throughout the rest of this weekend. But I think with Gabriel, I just want to see them take some more deeper shots, some deeper routes with them. And I understand that maybe last week and then also against the Giants. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Uh, there wasn't enough time to allow those deeper routes to kind of develop. Um, we're going to need it uh, because right now with Gabriel as just a pure quick screen guy or um, a quick out, uh, only getting a three to four yards per catch, it's not overly effective. You know, it's efficient. And even then it hasn't been. It's only six to 14 over the last couple of weeks. But I like to see him getting more involved in the deeper intermediate passing game, kind of like we did week one on the very first drive where Taylor Gabriel came up with a very big catch for over 20 plus yards deep. And we're like, well, we didn't see that all training camp or all preseason. I didn't know they're going to use him down the field like that. So, I want to see more of that out of Taylor Gabriel this week because they've been using him too much. I would say closer to the line of scrimmage. I want to see him kind of extend outward just a little bit. What about you, Nick? Do you have any matchups that you like or any ones that you're uh, worried about? Which way do you want to go? Yeah. Um, so the matchups that I like, and I know Jair Alexander for the Packers, he's been playing really well, uh, you know, especially well for a rookie. But just watching the game against the Falcons and what they were able to do, granted, it was Julio Jones who he was lined up against. And he played a lot of press coverage on him, which one one on one with Julio Jones, it doesn't matter if you're a veteran or, you know, one of the best corners in the league. Bad idea. I don't care who you are. And I don't care how good you've been playing. You don't do that against Julio Jones. But they decided the Packers felt confident in that matchup. And the first two plays of the game, or I think it was, you know, on that first drive, questionable catches at, at most from Julio Jones. But still, they win as catches. But that was a matchup that I liked. And I thought of Allen Robinson, a bigger body wide receiver like a Julio Jones. Not obviously, I mean, Julio Jones, one of the best in the league. But I think that's where you can maybe exploit that matchup. Jair Alexander, as good as he is, he's a little bit undersized. And I think with the jump ball, having Allen Robinson go get that, we haven't really seen that much as of late. And I know we had a, a play like that in the very first game against the Packers where it was on the right sideline. Allen Robinson goes up, makes a great play. That's what I want to see happen in this one. Let Trubisky give his guy a chance. And if it's, if it's on the sideline, it doesn't have the opportunity to get intercepted if it's not thrown well. You don't want to be underthrown, more so overthrown and outside as opposed to uh, underthrown and inside. So that gives Trubisky a little bit of a leeway to give his playmaker an opportunity to make a play. So I like that matchup between Allen Robinson and Jair Alexander. Yeah, and Trubisky last week, too, was a little bit uh, overthrown, remaining inside, which, of course, led to a couple of those interceptions. So ball placement is going to be key. But I do believe that Allen Robinson has proven that he can go up there and get it like the best of them. And I would agree, um, in order for us to even have a downfield passing attack, 
he's going to have to be a very vital um, you know, factor in that as well. Uh, for me, I'm looking at Trey Burton, guys, because the linebackers from Green Bay are pretty soft in their coverage, uh, especially Blake Martinez. Um, he could have a good game against them if they could find a way to get uh, Burton versus Martinez in a one-on-one matchup because on the season, Martinez, he's allowing 80% of catches of catches when targeted, three touchdowns. Uh, he hasn't had an interception this year, and he's giving up a 120, or 120 passer rating, uh, again, when targeted this year. So I think that's a matchup. And again, Trey Burton, we've been talking about this for over a month, and I feel like a broken record, but we really do need to see him kind of break out. He's been very quiet since week seven. We're now entering week 15. We're only a few weeks away from the playoffs. We really need Trey Burton to get involved. And on top of Trey, I wouldn't mind seeing Adam Shaheen get involved in this aspect as well. He's been, I know he's had his touchdown since his return, um, but I would like to see Adam Shaheen. He's been doing great in terms of adding more to our run blocking, which has allowed Jordan Howard to become more effective on the ground. But as a receiver, maybe we see a little bit more Adam Shaheen because I would love to get him some touches, get his confidence up as we kind of reach the end of this year and entering the playoffs. Uh, how about Brandon, Nick, anyone else have another matchup that you're looking at here? Not necessarily. I'm surprised it wasn't Nick that, that brought up Trey Burton. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he hasn't been doing it since the since the Buffalo game. He hasn't had a uh, touchdown reception. So, yeah, they have to get Trey Burton going, um, but they have won a lot of games since that Buffalo game. So it's not the worst thing, but, yeah, he just hasn't been the focal point as of late, and that's um interesting because, I, yeah, as you guys know, I love me some Trey Burton, but he needs to get more involved in this offense. Yeah, he really, really does. And speaking of involved in his offense, uh, Tariq Cohen's coming off his season low in receiving yards, but he did finish with his season high in rushing yards. So, you know, yin and yang kind of relationship there. But I do want to mention that the Packers haven't allowed more than three receptions by an opposing running back since week nine. Um, and looking at Tariq Cohen's last game against the Packers in week one, he didn't have much impact through the air. He only had three catches for 16 yards, so right up on that part of the three catches that they're allowing. So uh, we'll see if three Cohen can get going as a receiver, but um, based off the recent trends here by the Packers defense, it's not looking all too likely. All right, guys, let's go to move into the backfield. Jordan Howard's coming off his first 100-yard game of the season, and in week one, he ran for 82 yards on 15 carries against the Packers defense that currently ranks 24th against the run. They're allowing 126 yards per game on the ground. Now, Howard, he is averaging 4.8 yards per carry over his last two games. I'm sure that's a number that we could all get behind. And additionally, it's worth noting that Tariq Cohen, like I mentioned, um, he's coming off his season high rushing to his 69 yards. So I want to know, what are your expectations for the rushing attack this week? Can they keep up the pace against the Packers' flexible run defense that we've seen in the first half of the Giants game and, of course, throughout the majority of last week's Sunday night's matchup against the Rams? Let's go to Nick first. You know what? I would hope the Bears can still have success on the ground, especially how they ran the ball against the Rams, because I think that, you know, just leads to success. And you saw what happened when Mitch Trubisky didn't have his best game, relied on the running backs. And I think in this one, and I'm just looking at the injury report for the Packers, Kenny Clark is actually on the injury report, did not practice today with an elbow injury. So if he's out, that takes a there's a huge blow to that mid, that middle interior of that Packers defense because look they already lost Mike Daniels earlier in the season you lose if Kenny Clark can't give it a go this week I don't know how uh, the Packers are really going to be able to you know stop these Bears offensive linemen to getting their assignments which they did a great job of against the the Rams and then being able to spring a Jordan Howard or a Tariq Cohen free so I think uh, I don't know when the last time I've actually said this. 
I am expecting the run game to do pretty well in this one, despite the Packers being a little stingy with that run defense. I like the Bears matchups um, just because of what they did, what they found last week with the Rams, even though it's really Aaron Donald and Dom Kinsu. And like we said earlier in those podcasts, they're looking to pressure the quarterback. Still, they had success. They have confidence now. Let's see him build upon that. And I think Harry Heastan is going to go back, watch that tape, see what they did well, and apply it to this game against the Packers. Yeah, they're not stingy. 24th, 126 yards per game. So very malleable up front that the Bears can kind of push them around, hopefully. And like we said, we saw it last week, and hopefully that can continue because now we're getting uh, midway through December. Now's the time to really start establishing the run because it's going to be crucial down the stretch. What about you, Brandon? Are you kind of uh, along the same lines here of you're starting to actually have some confidence in this running game after a whole season of having no clue what to expect? Yeah, I'm on board with Nick here. I have uh, an expectation for this running game now because, uh, like you said, we've seen it against the Rams. We've seen it in the first half against the Giants. Uh, and you even said 86 yards against the Packers in week one. So we know that he's been established, has the ability to get going in some of these games just a matter of sticking to it and committing to it. And we see what happens when they do that. When the, when the bears offensive line wins the point of attack, this is why a huge point why I said, I'm not interested so much in what the pass rush does. I'm more interested in watching the bears offensive line in the run game for this very reason. Cause this is another game where Jordan Howard, I think can have another hundred yard rushing game. As long as they just, as they stick to it without Kenny Clark in the middle. Uh, I don't think there's much of a, much of a reason or much resistance for the middle of the offensive line to, to not create these holes and get up to the second level. Uh, for Jordan Howard to be able to get there. And that all has a, a recipe for a very good day for Jordan Howard. So I've got higher expectations in this one um, because not only will it do good for Jordan Howard, but it'll also do good for Mitch Trubisky. He's not going to have to be relied on to throw the ball if they can stay committed to it and have success with it. Good stuff. All right, look at the red zone. Obviously, I mean, that's key each and every week for every offense across, you know, pretty much every level of football. But last time against Green Bay, we left too many points up on the board. Only scored a touchdown one time in four red zone trips. And remember, that was a one-point game, so that made all the difference. Now, last week against L.A., which is a statistically poor red zone defense, we struggled. Uh, we only scored a touchdown on one of three red zone trips. So, Nick, I want to go to you here. Uh, what are some of your keys or uh, some of your strategy here that you would like to see implemented to improve this red zone offense? Because I feel like against the Packers, we're going to want to make sure that we get as much of a cushion as possible to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. You know what the Bears didn't do in that week one matchup and, you know, against, well, they did do it against the Rams, but they need to do it against the Packers. They need to bring the defense out there on offense and then they'll get in the end zone. I mean, it's been working so far for the Bears. Each time they brought some defensive players, it has worked. It's just allowing that defense to think, what, what is this play going to be? Are they going to hand it off to a key mix? Or are they going to throw it to Bradley Sowell? Like, what are they actually doing? But I think that's where Matt Nagy has been good is providing that creativity. But then again, you can look at it the other way. You have to bring defensive players. You have to bring an extra offensive lineman to score our touchdowns. And then even go back to the Giants game where it's uh, – what do they call it? The, the Chicago special or Whitney city special to score a touchdown. It's, it's not traditional. I think you said that will, in one of the podcasts, it's, it hasn't been the traditional ways of scoring touchdowns. So it's going to be interesting what Matt Nagy brings to this one, because I, I know with the ability to clinch the division, Matt Nagy, I think is going to bring out all the stops. What is he going to pull out? What, what trick out of his hat is he going to pull out for this one? Cause I know he wants this one, especially because it was tarnished week one against the Packers. So I'm, I'm expecting some creative stuff when the bears get into the, into the red zone. Now, again, I love the creativity and it's so much fun to talk about so much fun to watch. And even when he runs it, you have no idea what to expect either. Just like the opposing defense, which goes to your point, 
But I'm still adamant that we, in order to have long-term success, do need to find a way to score traditionally in the red zone. We have an Allen Robinson. You have an Adam Shaheen. Those are two huge targets in the red zone. Uh, Trey Burton as well. And Anthony Miller, who can run you know, routes like no other. A Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, and Jordan Howard. We have enough talent that we should be able to score once we reach the red zone without having to you know, pull out all the stops. So even though I want to see some creativity, um, maybe that could be like some sprinkles on top of the cake instead of being the whole damn cake. If that makes sense, is that a metaphor? I don't know, but I'm making it up as I go. Made it one. It is now. Um, so yeah, I just want to see them being a little bit more traditional, being more effective in that you know that matter. And then once you can, then if you be creative, then it really makes the defense wonder, really puts some pressure on them as well. But for the Bears' sake, uh, hopefully we can get some of these red zone targets and Abshaheen and Allen Robinson and everyone else who I already mentioned. We have so many ways to beat defenses. I'm having a hard time trying to figure out why, besides poor execution and questionable play calling at times, why the Bears have struggled down there. All right. Is there anything else in your notes that you guys want to bring up, either on the Bears offense or uh, Packers defense that our listeners must know? And Brandon, I'm going to let you kick that off. Uh, Really just the big thing, I think, is fundamentals and execution. Uh, I kind of wanted to bring it up uh, in the red zone thing here, but it really applies to the, the whole length of the field. Uh, because we've seen uh, Allen Robinson not line up on the line in a red zone trip uh, last week. Uh, we've seen three penalties uh, after I think it was the Roquan interception that took him down to the three-yard line. They were first and goal all the way back at the 20 or the 18 or something like that. Uh, so things of that nature have to be fixed in order to be efficient, not just in the red zone, uh, but throughout the entirety of the field. And it really hasn't been much of an issue uh, for the Bears this year, but that's one that I'm looking for. And also, uh, Trubisky in the snap count was able to draw a guy offsides last week. Uh, I've seen on the, the Packers website that they allow more first downs by penalty uh, than passing or rushing, I think was one of the interesting things that I found. So uh, getting them uh, uh, different snap counts, things of that nature, is going to be going to be big for the Bears' offense to move the ball a little more easily as well. Great stuff there, Brandon. Um, I would advise you after the show to scan your computer for viruses after going on the Packers' website. Uh, you never know what you're going to find on there. Uh, but how about you, Nick? <laughs> yeah, just some last uh, kind of stats from NFL matchup for the Bears offense. Least pressures allowed. They're number seven in the league uh, on dropbacks where the offense allows quarterbacks to be pressured. And this is a very, very specific stat in under 2.75 seconds. So that's good. They're number seven in the league with being uh, one of the best ones in that. So good. And then they are number one in the league with the turnover margin. Plus one better than any other team in the NFL right now. So goes to the uh, the Bears offense. Again, they had some turnovers last week for sure against the Rams. But overall, the course of the season, they've been pretty pretty darn good. And then getting turnovers on the other side of the ball definitely helps with that. Good stuff there, guys. All right, it's time to find out who has the edge. And yeah, we can still do that. And also our X factors as well. So Brandon, you're up first. The Bears pass protection versus that Packers pass rush. Uh, despite all the Packers bring and it comes from a, a community like like you guys were saying earlier uh, I still have the Bears offensive line coming off that performance uh, last week I mean they have no reason uh, to really settle down on you they know what's at stake here if they win this game uh, so I would imagine that everybody including the offensive line is going to be uh, at their top notch uh, a level grade performance in this one and I have that overtaking the Packers pass rush I don't think they're going to let that pressure get to Trubisky hardly at all I mean it's still going to get there uh, but I don't think they let it become a huge factor in the game. Bears offensive line. All right. And over to Nick. Bears passing attack versus that Packers secondary with your man, Josh Jackson. Yeah, Josh Jackson, that's actually another guy I would target right now, especially in man coverage if he's uh, 
if he's doing that, he's not the very not the very best at it. But I'm going to take the Bears passing attack. I think Mitch Trubisky has a bounce back game, and I'm really looking for Allen Robinson to be the leader in that, just creating these open lanes, winning those one on one matchups, and giving Trubisky those throwing lanes. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears uh, passing uh, attack. All right, and that leaves me with the Bears ground game versus the Packers run defense. And to me, this is an easy one. Probably why I gave it to myself. Like I said, it's been a stressful week trying to figure all this out. But uh, yeah, Bears ground game. Just stick with it. And if you do, I think they're going to have uh, be able to put up some yards. You know, teams have ran it very well against Green Bay all season. I think Jordan Howard is just now getting started, so I anticipate him to kind of keep up this hot streak. I mean, I'm saying in a hot streak, and even though he's only had a game of like 70 plus yards, now a game of a, his first game over 100, but. How his season is gone. This is a hot streak. Now we just need to find him, uh, find ways to get him in the end zone uh, just a little bit more effectively. But Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Other than that, I do anticipate the Bears to be able to uh, have their way on the ground, if, as long as they stick with it. All right, guys, time to figure out who's going to be our offensive X-Factors. I'll go ahead and begin, and I just gave the edge to the Bears ground game, which is why I'm going to give it to Jordan Howard. And Nick's maybe wondering, you know, huh, Willie, looking at my notes, and maybe I am, maybe I'm not. No, you never shared it with me. Um, but no, I think Jordan Howard is a perfect X factor this week uh, for a majority of reasons. But the big one, uh, you know, Mitch said he was a little bit too amped up last week and finding a way to get Jordan Howard established early would be a great way to take some of that pressure off. Then the bears can utilize play action. Mitch could be a little bit more in a you know comfort zone. And if all those things align, then I think the rest of the offense will kind of get rolling. But if Jordan Howard kind of gets stopped up, isn't able to uh, get moving on the ground, I anticipate the Bears offense potentially struggling uh, like they did at times last week. So I think Jordan Howard um, is going to be a big X factor this week. And I'm excited to have him being a part of the offensive conversation again after um, a big absence for the majority of this year. Uh, Let's go to Nick. How about you? Who's going to be your X factor on offense? Yeah, I kind of alluded to it, but Allen Robinson is. Uh, depending on whoever is at corner for for the uh, Green Bay Packers, Rashad Breland didn't practice today. Uh, that wasn't due to an injury, though. Uh, if it is a Tony Brown or a Jair Alexander, which it looks like it might be, I really like Allen Robinson in this one. I just have this feeling going into it that it's going to be one of those games where he kind of just takes over. The last time he had a touchdown was uh, that second game against Detroit, so it's been a while, or the first game against Detroit, so it's even been – longer so it's it's time for him to find the end zone and make an impact and just be that number one receiver that the bears brought him uh to chicago to be and i'm expecting him to have a big day brandon x factor well since you picked the bears running game to win and you gave it to jordan howard and nick picked the bears wide receivers or the the passing attack against the Packers secondary and he goes Allen robinson it's only fitting for me uh to pick the bears offensive line and go with an offensive lineman and brand and Witzman, because we've, we've seen him struggle like we did against the Giants, and he turns around and has a, a really good game against the Rams. Uh, and I think uh, Brian Witzman's part in the middle of this offensive line really uh, helps determine how good of a day Jordan Howard's going to have. Uh, if he's able to, to win the point of attack and push some of these guys around easily, I mean, I don't want to say easily because it wasn't easy against the Rams, I'm sure, uh, but like he did against the Rams where it looked like he was you know, really having a good day, 
uh, then yeah, I think that he uh, is going to play a big part in how well this offense succeeds. All right, great stuff, guys. That was an awesome conversation about the Bears' offense going up against the Packers' defense in this Week 15 matchup. So we've reached halftime, and real quick, we just got to call a timeout and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's really hard to know who to trust, and that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek puts millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all of the Bears brothers, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices, checking on the web, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Uh, We can be anywhere, just open the app, search for the event, and within a few minutes, instantly find some seats that fit our budget. And SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy, and theater. And I was just looking a little bit on my phone earlier today. I actually got a notification um, that tickets have dropped 11% for this Sunday's game, which is crazy to me that people are, I mean, maybe they're just really trying to get rid of these tickets before Sunday's game. I know Nick's going to this game. So if you're wondering a potentially, Hey, going to this game, check out Seeky because there's still a few amazing deals left and it would be pretty cool to watch the bears potentially, you know, double up and uh, win the division, knock the Packers out of the playoffs. And of course, there might be an outside chance that uh, Nick will be willing to meet you. No, I'm sure he would if you reached out to him. But uh, <laughs> the best part of all, out of all this, is our listeners do get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Little Wit, joined by my co-hosts, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano, while now entering the second half of our Week 15 preview, and it's time to turn our attention to the Bears' defense that's coming off its best performance all season. Uh, that's when they completely shut down arguably the best offense in all of football. Now let's go ahead and begin this conversation with our favorite player. Yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers, right, guys? And see, that was sarcasm, favorite. It's all about inflection, guys. But obviously for me, I'm hopeful for one, uh, that this is the week that we can really stick it to him because he's done that to us time in, time out over the years because really nothing would make me happier than watch him struggle in Soldier Field as we reclaim the divisional crown, take away Green Bay's chances of reaching the postseason because I would feel like then maybe some justice has been served because we have a lot to go in terms of that uh, kind of relationship that we've had with him over the years. So last time around, um, he had that obviously unbelievable three-touchdown fourth quarter um, after getting carted off, coming back, playing with one leg, uh, leading the Packers back. I don't really want to put that sick feeling in your stomach, uh, just like the Bears had to go through watching the film. But obviously, just even thinking about it, I'm still disgusted. And I'm sure Brandon, Nick, and you are too. Uh, so guys, I want to know, what are some of the best bets that we have at limiting Rodgers? Again, there's no way to completely stop him, no way to completely uh, slow him down. But uh, what's going to be the best bet at limiting his overall impact? And uh, let's go to Nick first. I think a big thing with Aaron Rodgers and why he's been as great as he has and had success against the Bears and, you know, a lot of teams in the NFL is just when he's on point with his receivers, the timing is right. doesn't matter if there's a cornerback draped all over his receiver. He's going to put the ball where it needs to be and only where his receiver can get it. So a big thing to maybe avoid that from happening, disrupting the receivers on the line of scrimmage. Um, I saw the Falcons do that a little bit in the beginning. And with even with a, a player like Devontae Adams, you jam a little bit, that timing's off. Aaron Rodgers is off. Incomplete pass. Again, that can come back to bite you because he, they do have some good receivers on the outside. But I think if you do that, that's definitely going to help 
you know, mitigate the damage that Aaron Rodgers can do. But a big thing and a huge thing with um, Aaron Rodgers, he like loves to extend plays. And the big thing with the Falcons last week, there were a bunch of times where they got to Aaron Rodgers. They didn't finish the play, though. So now he's able to maneuver in the pocket, find a running lane, running lane, and then beat the Falcons with, uh, with his feet. And even though he had that injury week one, he still can move. He still can. So the Bears need to limit his running lanes, and that goes to gap integrity. So there's a bunch of different things you have to do right, and everything needs to kind of play right to be able to get Aaron Rodgers off his game. Because, again, like you said, Will, you can't really do it. You can only just reduce the damage that he can do to you. But those are some things that I would like the Bears to be, you know, really looking at in this one. And Prince Mukamar is a great press man coverage corner, so he can do that aspect. And then we saw the Bears have great gap integrity against the Rams. So they had those things going for them last week. They just need to bring it back to Chicago in this noon game against the Packers. Now, Brandon, uh, last time, and I'm sure you remember that second half, uh, that's when the Packers had a lot of success with that, you know, quick stuff, that up-tempo and – Obviously, we saw a few teams throughout this season, either be Miami, uh, the Patriots, also have success against our defense uh, doing the same exact things. And I really expect the Packers to kind of try it again because, I mean, it worked last time. I don't think we've proven we can completely stop it. And it just seems like perfect sense that they're going to at least try it at one point or another. Uh, What can we do to stop that? I think it really comes down to the inside guys, uh, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, being able to to recognize where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. I know he's so good at looking one way and quickly firing the other way because he knows where he's going to go, but the defense doesn't know, obviously. Uh, so for them, I don't want to even say that it's stepping back to not allow the big play. Uh, it's almost stepping up and being a little bit more aggressive to try and cut off those those routes. We've seen Roquan do it uh, against the Rams last week. Uh, Jared Goff's looking uh, inside on a inside quick slant or a guy coming across the middle, shallow crossing route, whatever it was. And Roquan just turns and faces and walls him up and doesn't allow him to get through, and that allows the Akeem Hicks sack. So if we can see more of those things from those inside guys, naturally it's it's tough to stop on every play. But if we can see more of those similar tendencies from the inside guys locking down the middle of the field, I think that's going to pay some dividends uh, later in the game. Yeah, hopefully so, because there's nothing more frustrating than watching that defense get picked apart for four yards, five yards, five yards, six yards, all the way down the field. It's very frustrating, uh, especially when they use tempo. You can't make any substitutions. And uh, I know Green Bay's going to try it, and I'm um, hopefully the Bears can find a way to get them off the field once they do, or stop it enough to make them huddle so the Bears can substitute. Um, because again, it's very frustrating for me to watch. I'm sure it is for you, and if it's a frustrating for us as fans, I couldn't imagine as a player just how irritating that must be and how it must feel. Uh, Nick, I want to go to you next. Uh, my question here is about uh, I want to know the impact that you think of only having one week of film to prepare on this new play caller and interim head coach uh, Joe Philbin, uh, because they did put up a season high 27 points last week, albeit it was against a very lowly Falcons defense. Yeah, and the thing was, it was a very, very basic offense for the Green Bay Packers. A lot of short, quick passes out to the flats um, where they were just kind of picking them apart like like they did in, against that first game in the second half against the Bears. But I don't think it was very – it was overly complicated. It was just Aaron Rodgers, you know, extending plays, making those, uh, you know, the plays where you're, you don't really plan for. Those are the ones that really hurt you. So that's the thing. I don't think it was overly complicated. And in that game, Aaron Rodgers should have been intercepted two times watching the film. He should have had a pick six. The linebacker, you know, was able to jump around on the running back. And he's just a little, it seemed like in this one, he's a little careless with the football. So things that you don't normally see from Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think he played particularly well, even though they were able to beat, you know, the Falcons the way they did. It was, it was an easy offense. That I think Vic Fangio is going to look at that tape and say, okay, 
I know how to game plan for this one, even though it's been something that they struggled with these quick, you know, quick passes, get the ball out of the hands quickly for the quarterback. But for some reason, I think in this one, Vic Fan is going to learn to, you know, counter counter that quick passing game because like I said it didn't look overly complicated there wasn't a lot of deep passes most of the deep passes came when Aaron Rodgers was able to extend the play so I don't think it's really too much of a factor uh Joe I think Philippin or however you pronounce the last name for them the head their interim head coach I think that was actually his first game calling plays he's been an offensive coordinator but Mike McCarthy back I think in 2010 was also whatever it was was he was a play caller so he was just uh you know kind of there so he's still getting used to this. And you saw him when he was calling plays, the play sheets all the way down. And I think the broadcast was saying, you got to put that play call up. You don't want to see the language being, you know, uh, yelled out into, uh, you know, the mic there. So he's still getting a hang of it. And I'll take Vic Fangio and being a veteran defensive coordinator any day. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the battles in the secondary. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Bears are going to try to fill the void by Bryce Callahan who's going to be out for the season now with a broken foot. It's a big week to lose him, uh, especially because Green Bay's wideouts have always tended uh, to have our number. So how well Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamara can contain guys like Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb are, of course, going to go a very long way uh, towards deciding this game's outcome. Um, so real quick, Brandon, I want to know how much are we going to miss Bryce Callahan? Because I have a lot of faith in Sheriff McManus, but we know Aaron Rodgers. We know how the Packers kind of attack this defense. I think it's easy to say with Bryce Callahan out, um, we may have a weakness and that may be the nickel, the slot and the Packers run all the receivers through that as well. So you're going to have potentially a Randall Cobb on a Sheriff McManus, which um, again, Sherrick played admirably. I'm hoping he can keep it up now um, throughout week, you know, week in, week out basis. Um, I'm just curious, uh, how much of a factor is Callahan's absence going to be this week? I think it's, well, it's obviously the next man up mentality. I mean, Sherrick obviously knows that. And the thing about him being on special teams and being a gunner is he tackles well in open space. Uh, so that's something that we can rely on. If he's going to allow the quick four to five yard pass, we know they're not going to hardly get any yards after the catch because Sherrick has so much practice in tackling in the open field. Uh, so that part of it, I'm not worried about. I'm just worried about him being as, as sticky. It is hard to replace a guy uh, like Bryce Callahan who just sticks on the receiver's back hip like that for so long and does such a good job. That, that we're obviously going to miss. So we're chances for Aaron Rodgers to hit his guys out of the slot. Uh, but I don't think Sherrick allows a whole lot of yards after the catch because he's just so so well-versed and so practiced in it. Sure. You know, I was thinking about this earlier this week and throughout the very few moments I actually had to actually think about other things besides legal matters. And I was thinking about Sherrick and how he's been here for so long. And he's been through so much. A lot of – I started on uh, here at the tail end of the Levy Smith era. Went through a lot with the Trestman, the Fox years, and now he's here. He's been around for so long and he's, you know, been a very heads down kind of guy. Someone's always in the shadows, not taking a lot of, you know, spotlight, just that special teamer. And I'm excited to see what he can do because I love Bryce Callahan and I wish he was out there. But how great would it be for Sherrick McManus to be like a pivotal part of this defense down the stretch in a crucial playoff run after everything he's given this franchise for him to get some of that love for him to be in that position. And if he can make a few plays, all the you know admiration he's going to get from some fans, I think it's well-deserved, well-overdue. So for me, um, I believe Sherrick can step in. Um, it might be a tough week this week, um, but I think all those years with special teams has really got him his reaction time of being a gunner going for those open field tackles. I think some of these skills are going to actually translate to this defense. So we shouldn't be able to you know, miss too much. I think it should be able to keep up um, the play that we saw a little bit against the Rams last week. 
Uh, Nick, over to you. I already talked about, of course, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb uh, against Fuller and Amukamara. Uh, wh- where's your confidence level? I know Fuller, uh, he gave up that one touchdown that had us all so irritated. And since then, he's put together a great season. But I'm just cu- uh, curious your confidence on our outside corners to kind of lock down those receivers. Yeah, so each corner has its own uh, strengths, with Prince being more of a press coverage kind of guy, disrupting the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. And Kyle Fuller plays with his eyes, is able to play back, you know, back off of the corner and, you know, just being able to. That's why he is tied for the league lead in, with interceptions this season, because he's able to read quarterback's eyes really well. And since that week one, where he drops that pivotal interception that could have been, that could have been interception, Aaron Rodgers, I know you've got to think coming into this week. He's thinking. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Temper Pedic. Get full offer details at tempurpedic.com about it he wants it back and I think that even with the Devontae Adams on the other side uh who's a great he's a great wide receiver he really is I like Kyle Fuller in this one he's been playing uh like an all pro corner for for this entire season and he really has just being able to diagnose routes that's a big thing with him and I Devontae Adams really great route runner but this is a matchup that's going to be going on all day all day on on, on noon that to where I think Kyle Fuller is going to get the better of him. Because like I said, Aaron Rodgers, he should have been picked off a couple of times last week. Try that with Kyle Fuller now, who is tied for the league league in interceptions. He's going to take it back to the house. i fully confident in Kyle Fuller and what he's going to bring to this matchup on Sunday because you know he's thinking about that dropped interception. The Bears should have won on week one had he caught that. So he's thinking about it, and he's going to get, hopefully, that chance at redemption on Sunday. Retribution for Kyle. Let's go. I like it. You know, we talked about, you know, sticky in terms of being in coverage and, you know, Fuller's hands, they have turned to be a little sticky this season. So I'm not going to complain whatsoever. But yeah, hopefully you can get a chance at that because, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is coming in with a large, what, streak of no interceptions uh, since what, week three? Is that what we decided since on? Since week four of the Buffalo oh. Bills game this week. So it's been a while. And remember, a lot of the Bears players have mentioned this game, What especially Aaron Rodgers' comments, what, maybe a week ago, like we've had a lot of success in Chicago. They took that to heart. A lot of these Bears defenders have took that to heart. So you're pissing off a Bears defense that just shut out the number one you know, offense in the league. Good luck, man. That's That's on you, and hopefully, well, we'll see what ends up happening on Sunday. Yes. Uh, how about you, B? Anything else through any of these uh, matchups through the air? Uh, anything else you're paying attention to that we haven't hit on yet? It was Eddie Jackson uh, in the after the Cal Fuller dropped interception that that blew the coverage down the middle of the field uh, for Devontae Adams. So he's also one uh, who's going to try. I would imagine to have a, a bounce back game in this one uh, because we've we've seen how much of a, a ball hawk and a playmaker that he's been this year. Uh, I totally expect that trying to continue this. One. I also bet that he gets a turnover in this one. All right. Yeah. One more thing on the Packers side, Jimmy Graham, he's been playing with a broken thumb. Um, so that's going to probably impact his overall performance. Last time we had two catches for eight yards against us in week one. And he's a player that it's reported that the Packers are already looking to move on from. So I don't know if he's going to be a big factor this week's game, uh, especially with the injury to a thumb. I'm sure that's going to, of course, hinder his ability to catch the football, uh, but just something to keep in mind as we kind of go throughout the rest of this week. 
All right, let's go ahead and take a peek inside the trenches. Uh, the Bears were consistently winning their battles against the Rams, and that's a large reason why they were able to completely shut down the Rams both through the air and on the ground. In Green Bay, they've uh, given up the sixth most sacks on the year at 41. So, you know, the Bears should have their chances. Uh, going over to Brandon, I want to know, uh, what's going to be some of those key battles to watch on this side of the ball? Well, obviously, I look at Akeem Hicks with the game that he had last week uh, going up against uh, Lane Taylor, David uh, Bakatari, uh, someone along that left side, I imagine, or even when he switches to the right side with Brian Bulaga. I mean, those are I'm, I'm watching Akeem Hicks in this one just because of the way that he dominated, especially in the run defense uh, aspect of it, like he's done all year, uh, just where he lines up because there's not uh, that again, I'm going to have to scan my computer for viruses here looking at the Packers depth chart. They don't have anyone listed at right guard for first string. So you're looking at Justin McCray if he ends up playing there. Uh, so, I mean, the, the the inside there, especially that right guard, I think those that's definitely an advantage uh, for Akeem Hicks to take advantage of if he's looking for one. I would hope that he's looking for one, so I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, but that, that's a matchup that I think Akeem Hicks can definitely take advantage of, as well as Eddie Goldman. Uh, really just the interior of the line. Again, getting that interior pressure that we talked about last week against the Rams uh, and Jared Goff, the more you can bring that pressure from the inside, uh you know, the more anxious it makes a quarterback because he's got to face pressure coming right at him as soon as he snaps the ball. So uh, I'm looking at, at Corey Lindsay and Justin McCray at right guard as, as matchups for both Eddie Goldman and, uh, and Akeem Hicks as well. What about you, Nick? Do you have one that you're circling as a big matchup this week? Yes, uh, both the guards versus uh, whatever Bears defender is on him. Lucas Patrick at left guard, a guy that was beat, you know, consistently against uh, the Falcons defenders last Sunday. And whether it's with an inside move from the nose tackle, was able to apply pressure, just kind of drive him back with power. Those guards did not play well last Sunday against the Falcons front seven. And you know what the Bears front seven, what they did against the Rams just a week ago. They're licking their chops at these matchups. Yes, the tackles have been uh, the strong suit for, for the Packers. But you remember what Cleo Mack did in week one. He was able to come out and just Bulaga just looked overwhelmed with what he was able to do. It kind of slowed down the second half. But there are definitely matchups along this Packers offensive line to where the Bears can take advantage of. And like I said, the Falcons, they, they did apply pressure to Rodgers. They just didn't finish. That'll be the thing that the Bears defenders have to do and probably will be able to do because they're just an overall better defense. So I'm looking at those matchups, especially the guards, um, left guard, Lucas Patrick, and then right guard, um, escaping, uh, name is escaping me right now. But I think it's those are Justin McCray. I, I don't I think know, though. Yeah, so both the guards are, you know, a liability on that Packers offensive line. So whoever's lined up, I mean, at times the Bears like switching their front seven around. So whoever has those matchups, exploit it and then, you know, go to work and get Rodgers and throw him to the dirt and kind of laugh at him and, you know, do all that good stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> there you go. I know that, you know, everyone's looking at the matchup between Khalil Mack and David Bakatari. I mean, that's going to be a premier matchup of a really good left tackle versus one of the Okay, the best pass rusher in all of football. So it'll be interesting to see how that all goes. Uh, I think uh, Bakatari, he's only given up 24 pressures on 850 snaps played this season, just to kind of put it in perspective. So for that reason, I would look to move Khalil Mack over to the right side of the line. That's where he played week one, if you don't remember. And he got into Aaron Rodgers' face consistently. Um, and that really disrupted the flow of that offense in the first half. How quickly he's getting in to Rodgers uh, you know, from that side of the field. Um, and I think Brian Beluga is dealing with an injury, uh, which would mean that 
uh, Spriggs is playing, which is a former IU guy where I went to school. And I think on our Meet the Packers podcast week one, uh, they talked, they called him like a revolving door because that's how easily he allows pressures and sacks to just come in. So for me, that seems like a win-win to put Cleo Mack over there because there's going to be no way that they can stop him with just a tackle, which is going to force them to have to chip a little bit more than if he was just one-on-one with with of course Bakatari, I think that would be they would be a little bit more confident in taking some of those chances where they don't have to chip Mac on each and every play. But if you move him to the right side where he has a more of a matchup, uh, you know, advantage, then you're going to force the Packers to chip, which can take some options away from the passing game, make things simple for the defense overall. So if I was Vic Fangio, that would be something that I would consider. Now it doesn't need to be an every down thing, and of course the Bears as a defense they move people all the time. But if you're looking for a majority of snaps played, that's what I would do. All right, guys, let's take a look at the ground game because with Aaron Jones now on the fold uh, this time around, uh, the Packers seem to have a legitimate threat on the ground. Uh, This season, he's averaging 5.6 yards per carry. He's found the end zone eight times. Uh, Nick, I want to go to you. Uh, What are your expectations for the Bears on shutting him down? Because, well, I mean, they did a pretty damn good job against Todd Gurley last week. Yeah, they did a really good job against Todd Gurley last week. And the thing is with the Packers, yes, they have a good running back in Aaron Jones, and he does uh, lead the league right now, or he's in top of the leagues in terms of yards per carry on first down, actually number three. Uh, that's the Packers running game as a whole with 5.2 yards. But the thing is with the Packers, and I just don't get why they do this, it, it plays into the Bears' advantage. They just don't run the football a lot. They'll abandon the run. They just don't run it a lot. Right now, in terms of attempts, they're 29th in the league. They are one of the worst teams at committing to the run, and we we always talk about the Bears. Why don't they commit? Well, they're they're obviously a lot better, number seven with attempts. So that's the thing. If this gets out of hand at any point soon, or even if it's a, you know a close game, for some reason the Packers don't commit to the run. So I'm not really too concerned about Aaron Jones and um, Jamal Williams as much. Yes, they had some pretty good cutback lanes against the Falcons last week and did some you know good things there, but they just don't commit to it. And I know there's a new coach, new play caller. Maybe they will, but I just don't see it happening. They, they Look, they have Aaron Rodgers. We can just throw it. That's what their mindset has been. It hasn't worked out this season. They have five wins to show for it. So not too concerned about the run game, even though they have some pretty good statistics in their favor for their running backs and what they're able to do on first down and all that. So I'm not too concerned. All right. B, I want to know, is there anything else? You can bring up anything about the running game too as well, but. Is there anything else in your notes either about Bears defense, Packers offense? They want to make sure our, our listeners know. Um. Well, the uh, few attempts by the, by the Packers running game was really interesting. I didn't realize that they were that low uh, as far as not being able to run because I, when Aaron Jones first broke onto the uh, onto the platform, I guess uh, as far as when he took over at running back, uh, it's only like he's doing a really good job, and I thought he still was. So the fact that they haven't been able to commit to it, I don't think the Bears should give them a reason to commit to the running game. Continue to make that the number one uh, priority, and priority on defense. And as much as I don't want their AR-12 to beat us, I think that's still, like we said in week one, the best way to, to beat them is to put it in his hands and let him try and do something. All right, how about you, Nick? Uh, again, I'd like to end this with like NFL matchup notes. Look, the Bears are the number one team in the league in terms of best defense versus pass. Number one according to opponents' passer rating, 73.4%. Aaron Rodgers on the other side for that Packers offense. He's in the top 10 himself when he's either inside or outside the pocket. Inside the pocket in terms of passer rating, uh, in, inside is 103.1, which is seventh in the league. And then outside, he has a 99.7 passer rating, which is eighth in the league. Look, he's a good quarterback. He's going to make plays. It's just about the Bears 
mitigating the damage like we've been talking about all season. That's what all teams can really do against Aaron Rodgers. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a great matchup. It, that was just like last week with the Rams. It's gonna be this week with the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers or nothing with that team. And I'm gonna give it to the eleven guys on defense to take him down this week. I like it. Eleven greater than twelve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mathematically incorrect, but what we're talking about makes sense. But we don't do math. <laughs> we don't? No, we don't. No. We speak. All right, guys, it's time to find out who has the edge. Um, so we'll go ahead and start with the Bears pass rush versus uh, the Packers pass protection. Now let's go ahead and give this one to Nick. Oh, I like this one because it's easy. The Bears pass rush. I like the, like, we we talked about some of those matchups, especially those guards. And added Khalil Mack in there, Leonard Floyd, who's playing a lot better than he was the first four weeks of the season. Oh man, Aaron Rodgers is gonna have a he's gonna have a long day for sure. So I have to give it to that Bears pass rush and all the playmakers that they have on there. All right, uh, Brandon, I wanted to you know stretch your mind a little bit here, do some exercise because I think you're gonna have the toughest one: uh, the Bears secondary versus that Packers uh, passing attack. Yeah, and this is actually the only one of my notes I don't have highlighted as far as who's got an advantage. So again, if we can go back to the coin thing that we did a couple weeks ago, that'd be nice. Uh, but no. Um, it's it's tough because we've seen that the Packers beat the Bears week one with the short dink and dunk passing when we talked about it uh, to start this segment. Uh, so whether or not the Bears can come out and stop it, especially now without Bryce Callahan, uh, it, it's going to be interesting because that's, you know, like we said earlier, how the Bears have gotten beat in, in, in games this year. Uh, but with it being at home, uh, I think that plays to the Bears' uh, defense advantage as a whole. So I'm going to give it to the Bears' secondary on this one, I think. Good. I was going to say, if they did it against the Rams, they can do it against the Packers. And that's my reasoning for the next one, the Packers ground game versus, of course, the Bears run defense. And Nick, you mentioned it. They don't run the ball a lot. Um, They don't stick to it. Um, I've noticed that. uh, I have Aaron Jones on one of my million of fantasy teams, and I apologize for having a Packer on my fantasy team. I needed a running back, and I was desperate, so I apologize in advance or I guess afterwards because it's been some time now. Um, But no, if the Bears can shut down the Rams rushing attack with Todd Gurley, who's leading the NFL in rushing yards entering that week, there's no way or no reason why they should allow Aaron Jones to beat him on the ground. Now, I'm not going to say it will happen or won't because you never know each and every week, any given Sunday. But I know the Bears have the talent. It all depends on their mindset, the determination. And if they can play with the same energy they did on Sunday night, then I have no... Uh, worries whatsoever in terms of what the Packers can do on the ground. So we have a boot there or a broom there, uh, depending on what week you want to reference this season. Um, but yeah, clean sweep for the Bears all the way around, which of course is uh, very exciting if you're a Bears fan listening, which I hope you are. Uh, so it's time to find out who's going to be your defensive X factors. And since I began um, with the offense, I'll go last. So Brandon, you're up first. I'm going to give it to John Bullard and Roy Robertson-Harris because we've seen all these guys be able to step up uh, with Cleo Mack, obviously. And we've seen Roy Robertson Harris have a, a really good game week one against the Packers. Uh, the image that always comes to my mind uh, with him in week one is when he's full extension trying to sack Aaron Rodgers, but he keeps back battling. And I believe that was the Cleo Mack interception that he had on him there. Uh, so that was, uh, I think if those two guys can really step up, uh, I mean, I don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. I don't know where Aaron Jones is going to go. Uh, because the whole front seven is just going to be with their ears pinned back, ready, ready to go. And I think that if if those two guys can really lock in, it's going to be a long day for that Packers offense. Nick, how about you? X-Factor? Yeah, I had to think about this one for a while, but I'm going to have to give it to Kyle Fuller. I think if he can eliminate or not, well, do his best job, and I think he can with Devontae Adams and not have him be the, the you know, the, the deep threat, the 
security blanket that he is for Aaron Rodgers, the Bears are going to win this football game. Look, Randall Cobb, he's not the same player that he was. I know what he did in that week one, that, you know, blown coverage. It happens. But then you're, you're going to other guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling, and I'm not even going to pronounce – St. Brown is all I'm going to say for the other guy. <laughs> so, um, look, you take out Devontae Adams and – Jimmy Graham, like you went, mentioned, Will, he's dealing with a you know that broken thumb. He hasn't been the same guy either. So you take out Devontae Adams out of the, the passing attack, and Kyle Fuller being a big part of that, what is this uh, offense for the Green Bay Packers? Just Aaron Rodgers, like it has always been. You take out one of his best weapons, I think uh, that's really going to disrupt this offense. So Kyle Fuller is going to play a big part of that, and that's why he is my X factor. Good stuff. For me, I'm going secondary as well, and I'm going right back to Sherrick McManus for really this. There's no community like a Cenex community. And that's why every Cenex store is so proud to serve theirs by supporting local athletic teams, promoting the arts, and making sure each store is a place its neighbors can find what they need, catch up with their friends, and stay connected. It's also why we give back, helping to make the wonderful places we call home the best they can be. Your local Cenex doesn't just work in your town, it lives there. The store next door, powered locally at Cenex reasons because I do believe you're going to see a lot of Randall Cobb in a slot. Uh, kind of, I think the Packers believe entering this week that they do have a mismatch, and I think they're going to try to exploit it. So if Sherrick can prove them wrong, um, then for all the reasons that you mentioned about forcing them to look elsewhere where they don't have a bunch of great talent, that's going to really benefit the Bears' defense. And if, and if uh, McManus ends up struggling, then the rest of the defense may end up struggling as well because there's going to be a big hole in that secondary where they're going to have to try to overcompensate, uh, which in turn could open up things for the run game as well. So it's very pivotal for Sherrick McManus to kind of hold for it there in the nickel position. All right, guys, it's time to enter our prediction portion of this preview show. So here we go. It's time to begin with the Week 15 bold prediction. Nick, you're up first. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers has not thrown an interception since Week 4 against the Buffalo Bills. It's been a while. He's due, and he should have had interceptions last week. Kyle Fuller, my X-Factor on defense, he's going to be the guy that picks off Aaron Rodgers, not once, but twice. And actually, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw three interceptions on the day. That's how confident I am in the secondary. And look, the Packers are not a good football team. They won a game last week, blew out the Falcons. That's more so on the Falcons than it is about the Packers. Three interceptions from Aaron Rodgers. Two of them are coming from Kyle Fuller. Great stuff, Nick. For me, my bold prediction, Jordan Howard rushes for 150-plus yards and two scores. Just keep in mind, he hasn't reached the end zone in five weeks. I think this is the week where we kind of want to get him churning, get him going. Um, we, we, he reached the century mark for the first time all season last week. Let's break 150 this week against Green Bay. Keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. You know, all the good stuff. You understand. You've been listening to the show. You know exactly why uh, getting Jordan Howard established is important. So my bold prediction, 150-plus, two touchdowns for number 24, which means, Brandon, you're up next. Well, (laughs) Nick kind of really stole the thunder from my bold prediction. So I'll kind of change it a little bit here. Uh, I think that the Bears are going to pick off Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Kaiser because Kaiser hasn't thrown a pick since week one. So I think both have thrown an interception this one. Ooh, injure Aaron Rodgers. Take that as you will. <laughs> I am Will. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Time to uh, predict who's going to be the MVB when it's all set and done. And, Brandon, we're going to go around the horn in reverse order, so you're up. All right, my MVB in this one's going to be Allen Robinson. I mean, it's been so easy to pick defensive guys these last few weeks. 
and, and rightfully so. There's no reason, I think, to not pick one here. But I'm going offense because i got to start showing these guys some love a little bit. Uh, so in order for Trubisky to have a, a bounce-back game like we talked about at the beginning of the show, he's going to need a reliable security blanket, a guy that can go downfield and get those 50-50 balls against these younger corners. Uh, I think Allen Robinson's guy is going to be able to have a step-up game in this one, and I think he, he, it pays dividends for him. He'll find himself in the end zone a couple times in this one. So Allen Robinson is my MVB for multiple reasons, especially getting Trubisky back on track. All right, I like it a lot. My MVB, I'm going to go with uh, Nick's bold prediction here with Kyle Fuller being the MVB because I believe he can shut down his side of the field, which cut the field in half. And if you can do that, I think the rest of everything else uh, should be able to fall into place. And like Nick, this isn't a bold prediction, um, but I do have him coming away with the interception in his fourth straight game. And fun fact, I was doing a guest spot on a radio show today, and the last time a player had four interceptions, oh, an interception in four straight games uh, was a couple of years ago, uh, 2016. It was Quentin Demps. If that name doesn't uh, ring a bell a little bit, right? He came here. For, he played for like a week, uh, and then Eddie Jackson took over uh, after he broke his arm. So yeah, uh, just funny that a former Bear is the last person to do this. But that was when he was in the uh, Houston with the Texans. So yeah, fourth straight game with interception, and again uh, that would end Rogers' current streak of consecutive passes without a pick. Uh, let's go over to Nick. Who's going to be your MVP? That's a good question. I wanted to say Allen Robinson then. Brandon took it. I wanted to say Kyle Fuller because I think he's going to have a great game. So, you know what? I'm going to stick on defense, but I'm going to go with Leonard Floyd for this one. We talked about Cleo Mack possibly moving him to play Pulaga like he did in that first matchup, and if he's able to win that matchup, great. But now you still have Leonard Floyd on the other side. If he's able to beat Batiari like he, you know, be he's been playing well these past couple of games now. He's had a good stretch for himself. If he's able to win consistently, that's just going to give Rodgers a very hard time to just stay in the pocket. He's going to have to dance around. That's going to lead to maybe some some turnovers to happen. But Leonard Floyd is a key here because they love to drop him back in coverage, love to ask him to go get the quarterback, contain the edge on the run. He does a lot of things for his Bears defense, and if he has a good game and is able to do his job and when he's asked to do it, that's going to make this defense that much more formidable. And Aaron Rodgers just not going to have anywhere to go. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned his name all show long, and this is a perfect time to do it because, he's, like you said, he's been putting together good weeks. I think last week he played his heart out. He had tremendous energy throughout the entire game, and he's had success against Green Bay in the past. Um, if you, if so, I think this would be a perfect week for him to kind of step up and claim um, an MVB uh, performance. So, yeah, good stuff there, Nick. All right, so it's time to figure out what's the final score going to be. And, guys, with a new show name, that means that uh, the standings are reset, right? <laughs> no because i was winning <laughs> well damn it all right so since you said that uh we'll, we'll adhere to the grandfathered in standings uh brandon you're 11 and 2 nick 10 and 3 and i am 9 and 4 so lead dog you gonna go first you're gonna go last uh i'll go last because i'm interested to hear uh what your guess's differential is gonna be Okay, sounds good. I'll begin because I'm in the, I'm in the basement, but I'll take being nine and four and being in the basement. Honestly, <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> but uh, twenty seven to twenty, I have the Bears winning this one. I believe the Bears are, and I, okay, I don't believe. I know the Bears are the better team this week. So if they come out to play like we know they can, they should be able to win. Uh, twenty seven to twenty, I think is very fair. Your Green Bay is gonna score some points, but we also thought that the Rams were too. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears defense shows up and wants to uh, kind of go with another kind of shutout-esque performance. But against Aaron Rodgers, we haven't really seen that before, and there's always some weird things that happen 
that get us pissed off because Aaron Rodgers does something great against us. So it's going to happen more than likely. Hope it doesn't. Um, but I have the Bears 27-20 um, convincingly and the Packers score some points um, in garbage time to kind of catch up. What about you, Nick? So, you know what? Well, that stuff has always happened, especially to the Bears with Aaron Rodgers. But I think this is just a completely different football team, even from what it was in week one. And they've learned how to win. So I don't think that happens. And if that doesn't happen, the Packers have no shot in this game. Absolutely no shot. This is the turning point, I think, where the Bears finally turn the page. Next chapter where, look, they win the division, they clinch, and they make Green Bay the little brother now to where it's not the other way around. I'm seeing this 30-13 to Bears come out, dominate. Offense gets back on track. If the offense gets back on track, I don't care if you have Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff in the number one office, and Sean McVay. They put up six points last week at Soldier Field. I don't think the Packers have a chance. They're not a good football team, and the Bears are just a better football team with a better coach right now. They're going to come out and dominate. 30-13 to Bears. I like it. I like that a lot. Let's go over to B. What do you got? Uh, I'm on the same page with Nick here. It's it's very much a turning point, uh, especially after coming off such a dominating performance at home. Uh, this matchup is also at home. Uh, it's fan appreciation day, so I, I hear you get 50% off your Italian beef, so the fans are going to be there. They're going to be hungry, not just for their Italian beef, but for the Bears with the win in this one. Uh, so I have a very similar score to what Nick does. I have the Bears doubling up the Packers in this one, 28-14. Uh, Good stuff, guys. All right, one last thing to do, and that's to hand out our confidence meter and, of course, share some of our final thoughts heading into this game. So, Brandon, I'm going to go right back to you. Uh, what level is your confidence? And, uh, yeah, just any final thoughts? Uh, my confidence is going to be at a nine. Uh, just that con- that convincing win on Sunday night just really has me thinking really, really positive vibes about this team, and there's no reason that we shouldn't. Uh, they've blown my expectations out of the water for the year, uh, and I, with, with a win uh, – Obviously, they know it's at stake. We can clinch the NFC North at home against a rival. What better way to do it? I hope the Bears obviously feel that same way. Whether or not they do, I'm not in the locker room. Uh, but club dub at, at uh, midfield would be cool, especially since Nick's going to be there. I know that's one of his wishes. So, I mean, it'd just be really cool uh, to be able to see all these things come together uh, and be able to, to clinch a playoff spot for the first time since I don't know because I haven't uh, – been keeping track because it hasn't been consistent. So uh, I'm I'm expecting big things in this game, and I don't think there's any reason that Bears fans should uh, expect any different. All right. Uh, for me, I'm at an 8.5, and, yes, I use that number um, strategically here. Um, <laughs> but this is a week where, again, like you guys believe, and so do I, that this is where we can finally turn the corner. We all thought that beating Green Bay in week one, and I remember going into that game, we all thought beat them week one. That'll signify that we have officially arrived and we'll ride it out the rest of the season. But really, I think that was a little bit of a, you know, a short sight by us. And now that we've kind of went through the year and the ups and downs, now this feels like the week that we can definitely do that. The Bears are the better team. They remember how it felt to be on the wrong side of the game prior in week one. They want revenge. So on Sunday, V is going to stand for victory, but it's also going to stand for vendetta. It's time to get some revenge on all those years of pain. And the guys who have been here for some time, like Hicks, they're going to know what's at stake. You know, our downfall here as in Chicago as Bears fans began when we let Green Bay sneak into the playoffs in 2010 by beating us at home. And, of course, eliminating them, winning the division in the process this week, I think is a complete 180. And that's going to officially close the chapter and begin a new one. So kind of like what Nick mentioned and kind of like what we just did without this show throughout the week. Um, it's time to begin anew, and you know I'm ready. So let's go Bears. What about you, Nick? 
You know what? I said 30-13. I'm going to be there, and they have a chance to clinch the NFC North. This is a 10 for me. The Bears aren't losing this football game. They better not, but they're not going to. They're the better football team. We've, we've said it. They have all the pieces there. They have higher aspirations than just being the Packers, but they want to. This is a game they want, without a doubt, even though they can lose this game. The Bears could, and that's not going to you know, tarnish their playoff hopes. They're still going to make it to playoffs, but they want to beat They want to beat the Packers. Just, to, again, redemption from week one, how it all happened in that fourth quarter at Lambeau. The Bears had that game. They want this one. So, 10 is my confidence meter. And then just one last thing. This doesn't have to do with the game because this is the last day to, uh, for, for, to vote for pro bowlers. Go, go retweet a, a tweet with Akeem Hicks in it. He's technically not in it right now and he deserves to be in it. I know this is not about bears Packers, but that player for the last couple of years, has just put his heart and soul into every single snap and he deserves to be in the pro bowl. So go find a tweet that has Akeem Hicks name in it and retweet the hell out of that thing. Cause he deserves to be in the pro bowl. I mean, I hope he gets voted in, but then he doesn't have to play. True, because we'll be in the Super Bowl. Hmm. So never mind. Never mind. But still but vote him in. The vote matters. <laughs> the vote matters. He would, he would love knowing he got in regardless if he made the trip or not. Yeah, exactly. All right, so definitely do what Nick said. Let's get Akeem Hicks into the Pro Bowl, and that's really for people on here on YouTube because by the time you're listening on the podcast, the voting is going to be over. But uh, So for those on YouTube, uh, hurry up, check that out. And real quick, speaking of Twitter, um, if you're looking to follow us and you haven't yet, uh, new name. So we're going to be at Chicago Audible now. So definitely check us out there um, if you can. We'd appreciate some uh, extra follows as we go throughout this transition. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. Again, um, and I'm going to be probably doing this for some time. I just want to shout out each and every one of you uh, who are sticking with us throughout this change. You know, week 15 was more than an inopportune time to kind of go through something like this. Um, trust me, I know that. So I do apologize that our content this week wasn't as uh, beefed up as normal. But now that we're all situated, we're all squared away, um, it's time to kind of go back into attack mode and kind of continue as we go, have gone all year long. All right, so let's go ahead and secure ourselves our first NFC North crown in eight years. And of course, let's hand it to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the process and prove to them that we are back and that we're here to stay. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 